Michigan Hockey Cast 6.12, where the first three quarters will be worth listening to, but you may not want to stick around for the end. generally get positive reviews or at least a couple comments when we briefly to some extent discuss NHL stuff in and around the Michigan hockey cast so let's start with a little topic of uh Patrick Waugh <laughs> did you see this coming uh I had knew that he was trying to get back in the league and I knew he'd been interviewed for some positions in the past but how uh, how recent were these interviews um, I guess it was unstated. I don't remember hearing this at the time, but they did say that he was on the list for the Blues when they fired Barubi a few weeks ago. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and there have just been rumblings in the past when teams are making coaching changes that he was under consideration. So I figured he was going to come back at some point. I didn't really expect it to be in the middle of the season and right now. Right. Um, but, you know, it's a very Lula Morello sort of move. Um two interesting personalities working together but so what do you think of him as a coach because like I have I mean I have some opinions some of them are a bit mixed but I figured that you would have somewhat of a take on him I don't know it's it was hard to assess his time in Colorado because they weren't a very good roster for a lot of his time there I mean they had the one good season when his first year when he won the Jack Adams which was super lucky year, super right? lucky they had yeah, yeah like a and they had a bunch of like crazy high shooting percentage and like a high save percent all that kind of stuff they had a bunch of good young players yeah but didn't have much on defense no and then you know in the years after that then it was like yeah we're really a rebuilding team which they were um they just kind of had a, a random year and then he threw in the towel and walked away before you know things could change and that was really related to why people thought he wasn't gonna make a comeback in, in the NHL for a while was that he was going to be too risky after the way he quit. He was also a guy who kind of started with the really early goalie pulls. He was. That was like that his, was last, his, thing, his lasting right? legacy. Yeah. yeah, because I remember watching some of those early Avs games that year and like he'd pull the goalie with like four, four and a half minutes and would it would work a few times or enough times, I guess. And now it's sort of become maybe not mainstream, but like at least in analytics world, like sort of a preferred thing. Like you don't want to wait till a minute left. Yeah. The other Especially if you're down two goals. The other interesting thing with Waz, when he was in Colorado, he really made it sort of his thoughts clear on player moves and things of that nature. And so it'll be interesting to see how that goes in New York with a very famous strong personality GM. But like that 2014 draft, when they drafted Connor Bleakley, I mean, he, like just said publicly, this was the wrong selection and we should have taken a defenseman, which is, I mean, there's a lot of parallels between sort of the perception of Jim Harbaugh in the NFL and the perception of Patrick Waugh. Really? Like these are honest guys that are just going to tell you what you think. They're not going to be uh, a puppet for the GM yeah. to, you know, do whatever. These are people with their own opinions and they're going to, you know, so say I, what they think. I was and, reading some reporter on Twitter. I, I can't remember his name, Scott something, where he was saying that he had been either around or talked to people or watched. I can't remember the specific context, but that his junior team was like super well coached and organized and 
guys were really bought in, that they've always played hard, and sort of all the things that you're looking for from at least that level of a coaching perspective. I'm not sure about the X's and O's or game planning and that sort of thing, but from a structure and organizational standpoint, he was pretty impressed. And, you know, I don't, you know, like you said, it's tough to fully evaluate what he did in Colorado the first time because of like the variance of years. But it seems like if he's kind of managed a little bit of his emotions and isn't going to blow up as many times, uh, it feels like that is a good starting point for at least an NHL coach. It could be. I, the other thing that I think was pointed out um, on 32 Thoughts by Elliot Friedman is that Lou Lamorello has always been fascinated by the Montreal Canadian. Hmm. And obviously, um, he hired Jacques Lemaire when he was in New Jersey. He hired Larry Robinson when he was in New Jersey. He hired Pat Burns when he was in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, now to go to WA, um, very typical. And so it'll be interesting to see. I think the, I, I thought the decision to fire Lane Lambert was completely correct. I thought they were yeah. a very badly coached team. Yeah. Um, and the, so last year that was, there were rumblings of that, right? Cause he takes over for trots yep. and it's sort of the whole stupid thing now where when coaches are going to leave, they, they just like anoint their successor sort of thing. And like he just kind of continues on, except that he's not Barry Trotz. And, you know, the team gets hot at the end of the year with the Horvat trade and they get Barzal back. And so then they make the playoffs and they give the Hurricanes a little bit of run for their money and then don't make it. But then, and then this year they kind of have a lucky, hot-ish start and then have cooled off. And yeah, I would agree. Like watching them, you're just like, okay, something needs to change. Yeah. And it's probably behind the bench. The interesting thing, I think, and I'm interested to get your thoughts on this is, you know, he's walking into a situation where if he does decently well, he has one of the best goalies in the league, which is an interesting situation for one of the best goalies to ever play. Yeah, it's an interesting pairing there. Um, you know, it gives Wall the opportunity to sort of win now because it's a roster that's very much built for the moment. And I think the only downside for him taking this job is that coaches under Lou never last. Yeah. I mean, he fires more coaches than anybody else. <laughs> they last an average of about two to three years, and then he moves on. But but he didn't fire Trotz. Uh, or or do you think there no, was... No, he fired Trotz. He was fired? Trotz or was they fired, were, yeah. Was he? I don't, let me get, look at the headline, hmm. but that's I my thought, memory. I thought Trotz it. stepped down, but <clears throat> maybe he did fire. But then what, how would Lambert have gotten the job? Because normally you would just... you If you fire a coach, you don't usually transition to a guy on the staff yeah he was fired oh interesting yeah well that's lou would never let someone step down (laughs) (laughs) you're not gonna miss the chance to fire someone (laughs) that's interesting um yeah i mean i i hate the firing the coach and then letting the interim you know the assistant take over just i mean in the middle of the year whatever if it if it's an interim, because you can't fire an entire staff and be like bring in four pe- new people. Well, it depends on what you're trying to achieve this in that season. But I think okay. in, in this case, you know the Islanders are trying to make the playoffs. Yeah. Right. Like if you're the Raiders and you fire Josh McDaniels, and yeah. it's like, well, we're not going to the playoffs, so who cares? Yeah. You know, that's one thing. Yeah. But if you're firing a guy because you want to turn your season around and make the playoffs. You know, I don't ever understand handing it to an assistant. Right, because it's the same thing. Yeah, if, if you had the answers, why are you not <laughs> yeah. saying them right now? So, um, you know, I think it'll be a good move for them to at least give it a shot. And I guess if it works, then maybe 
why even if he does get fired in three years in the future then he'll have you know the opportunity to go somewhere else and we'll see what happens it definitely won't be a, a shortage of intrigue that's for sure the other side is that like you know we talk about nhl players and even to some extent coaches and how they're all like seemingly very nice people or you know just the typical canadian say the right things at least now we have a guy that's actually going to say some things you might get a clip or something like that was seems to be uh a tad outspoken like you were mentioning there he was one of the color most colorful characters of his day yeah and he hasn't really changed but that's why we should have more goalie coaches because <laughs> goalies have the outspoken personalities all right I, I guess we've delayed getting into this long enough so uh it's not like uh, we haven't discussed some of these themes over the past months of the year, but um, I suppose we can try again. We'll start with the positive game. Um, probably the best game Michigan played, I would say, all year, complete uh, on the road against a team who does have talent, although you know clearly they do have some weaknesses as well, which we'll get into. But Michigan goes up to East Lansing on Friday night. And, you know, I remember kind of getting ready for that game and, and prepping stuff and, and getting, you know, BTN minus going and all of that. And then just kind of sitting and waiting. And I wasn't really sure what we were going to see. Like I, I knew that, you know, you talk about all the world junior guys and, you know, they were hot coming off of uh, that tournament and they, you know, played Stonehill and, and the, some guys the week before played the under 18 team. So, you know, they had, it weren't like, it wasn't like they hadn't played in a while. But this is going to be the first real game since that Notre Dame series. And you just, you know, this is gut check time and it's time to turn something around. And I mean, overall, I, they were as, as complete a performance as I've seen. Yep, it was uh, it was really good. I missed the first period live, but they had a 3 nothing lead after it and just kept the foot on the gas, really. Yeah, and it actually started really poorly because um, State hit a post and then Barczewski kind of got a little bit wide out of the net and they missed an open net all in the first probably 90 seconds to two minutes. And you're just like, well, here we go. And um, that was about as good a chances as MSU had the whole night is right there. And it just, you know, things start to change as Hughes gets a really good chance and and Augustine makes a save. There's a spoiler alert for (laughs) more things that are going to come, but um and then Michigan State gets their first power play, and they get a couple of decent chances. Um, one of the things coming into this second half of the season was, is Michigan going to fix some of the really, uh, I can't even come up with a word bad enough to describe what their power play was in the first half, um, but can they kind of change that and, and rectify some of their weaknesses? And this wasn't the best kill that I've seen, but they didn't allow a goal. They mostly kept the slot the slot in the house area clean um few shots that Jake had to save from from distance but no real great A's and then it kind of turns into um a goal for Michigan is after they kill off that penalty Tyler Duke hits a phenomenal pass to Rutger for a breakaway goal gets in alone and makes a move and all of a sudden you have a lead yep it was a great A chance and finished it off so Michigan State then gets another power play after that, 
And like, so this was something we talked about in the preview a little bit. It's like, you know, they're, they don't have Michigan's level of success on the power play because Michigan is, you know, up in the third, mid thirties, low thirties. And I think state was at 28, but it's still, you know, a unit that has a bunch of guys that can score goals and had been converting at a high rate. And so giving them two chances early on, you're just like, you know, this is how you get yourself out of a game early. But um, Michigan, this is one where they really shut it down and gave up nothing, including um, Nazer winning a puck in the offensive zone and having just a ridiculous backhand pass to, of all people, Keenan Draper, who's shooting down the slot. I think I compared it to uh, one of those JJ to Roman Wilson passes where he just hits him perfectly, leading him in in the hands, and he walks right in and scores. On replay, it didn't look like the greatest goal I've ever seen. Uh, Augustine, I think, probably would like that back. It wasn't the best shot, and, and he kind of gets his pads shifted the wrong way. And But the puck goes in, and Michigan has a shorthanded goal, and now it's 2 nothing. It's a nice heads-up play from Nazer because he's just up on the play trying to rag it and kill some time. And he goes in on the, the retrieval, and he right as he gets possession of it, he just very quickly glances and sees that he's got Draper coming right through the middle of the ice, and he's got the only MSU defenseman to stop that sucked in on him. Yeah. So he takes one quick look, realizes, oh, wow, if I can get that puck to the middle, he's all alone. And then he does what needs to be done and does the the backhand across. And uh, it's timed up perfectly. Draper's right there, and he finishes in tight. Um, Augustine looked like he was kind of sliding around a little bit, lost his proper butterfly on this one, but... um, you know, great pass is what really sets it up. Well, and that's what we talked about with Nazer is like, you know, we're talking about who is this guy and what can he be? Because there's all this rumblings before the year starts about how, oh, is he going to be the guy that steps in and takes over for Fantilli and is sort of has the Hobie Baker year and starts scoring and all that stuff. And that's just not really who he is from a goal scoring perspective. But apparently from a passing perspective, he is because we saw that at the World Juniors. We saw it enough in his combinations with Shivsky, that's what helped Shivsky score all those goals in the first half of the year because they were playing together a lot. And then now we've seen it this weekend. He has another insane pass later on in the weekend that we'll get to. But, you know, you don't, to be a guy that controls the game, you don't always have to be the guy scoring the goals. But if you're hitting people and they're scoring the goals, that's just as effective. Yeah, it's interesting. The EP Reek side folks that do charting and tracking for some of the prospects out there i don't remember exactly who was doing the product the charting for for nazar there's a guy lassie alanon who does a lot of their charting in their microstat graphs but anyway whoever it was that was doing it whether it was lassie or someone else um nazar's like charting in microstat stuff in terms of like transition data and shots generated and passing and all that sort of stuff looks like incredible like yeah the chart looks like wow this is the best player in college hockey and he obviously isn't but he might just be one of those guys that doesn't like get a ton of scoring points or like show up on the box score in flashy ways, but just drives play consistently, uh, which is a valuable thing to have. But he does score. I mean, he, he, does does, score he doesn't some. score yeah. the goals, but he does. I mean, he scores some goals. I'm not saying he can't score a goal, but he's effective in getting the puck to people who do score the goals. And I think that's probably part of the reason why. You know, they started this game, and I was going to mention this earlier, I, I missed it, but was they went with sort of the hero line, right, of 
Nazer, Brindley, McGordy. And, you know, that's the thing where in the first half of the year they kind of split those guys up so that they'd have two lines and you put Shivsky with, with Nazer and then you have two lines of guys who can go and control play. Here they kind of went all in on one. And, like, if you can, if he's the guy that's getting the puck to Brindley and McGordy's starting to score, now you're looking at having just an absolute monster of a line. Yeah, I would prefer to split that up, but yeah, it's a look you can go to. Yeah, and especially like if you need to at the end of a game to get, like if you're trying to get back in it and you double shift him and things like yep. that. So um, so it's 2 nothing, and then Michigan gets their first power play to, later on it, near the end of the first. Um, and when they're on the power play, Nazer, speaking of him, gets tripped, and now they're at 5-on-3, and they don't get the goal... It was about two set, two or three seconds too late. So instead of getting the goal at five on three and then still having a power play, they get the five on four goal and that ends the power plays. But a, a really nice move. Um, Seamus Casey, who we just love, especially when he has the puck, gets below the goal line and then just dishes out in front to Duke. And there's just, I mean, we talk about this too. Like it was a five on four goal, but it wasn't. Because it was a five-on-three goal because the guy's, like, coming out of the box. So he's not in the play. He's not checking anybody. Um, and then that just gives Casey the space, and you just don't have the manpower to be able to man up on everybody. And he just dishes in front, and Duke puts it away from his office. And so within a period, Michigan has an even-strength goal, a shorthanded goal, and now a power play goal to finish off the first. And you're like, uh, you came in about this time, and you're like, well, like, all we need is... A penalty shot goal and, and an empty an netter. Empty netter. <laughs> and they've Dude, the five goals, five ways. Check the bingo card. Um, this one's just so bad from MSU. This uh, is? Yeah, I mean, five on three. I know it's late in the five on three, but I don't like pressuring the entry much when you're in a, in a five on three situation. Um, no, I mean, can you even do that? <laughs> I mean, like, how would you even? What sort of the defensive lo- structure the would you have to do is that? The five on three, you just want to take away the middle of the ice right. and pack it in. And you know, they go to pressure this entry. They've got two guys up high trying to choke it off, and Casey just burns around one of them, and the other guy gets beat inside by Duke, and it's a tap in. And then you know, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, but this is you know, MSU is not a strong defensive team, right. and we knew that coming in. And so. that's we're going to talk about Michigan's fails at a defense later but it seemed like that these teams are similar in the sense that they're going to give up chances and they're going to in, in most situations need to win shootouts um so it's 3-0 the second period to me was you know a little bit different i thought michigan in, in at times during the first probably half to two-thirds of the period, got a little more sloppy with, with the puck. They turned it over, um, didn't deal with the forechecks as well. MSU wasn't getting, like, great A's, but it just wasn't as crisp as the first period was. And, you know, the puck's just kind of, they're not really containing or g- maintaining possession to get to the red line to dump in or skate in. And it's just kind of all over the place a little bit. Um they get a couple of chances, but and then then there comes there's a major review that did we even see what that was? They, they reviewed for a major and you couldn't even really tell somebody took a shot on it. Um, I think it was. Uh, oh, that was the wasn't that the scrum behind the net? Yes, for Michigan yes, State. It was it was a face mask. That's what it was. So then yep. it was confirmed, and 
I think, and then, and, but a Michigan player also had a two-minute penalty. So they were, yep. like, overlapping. And then Michigan ended up getting the power play. And then that's when they actually get the fourth goal that then ends up being challenged and reviewed. Because this is the shot from Brindley, what, slightly above the goal line from a sharp angle. And Duke is flying in and, like, spray stops it into the net with his skates and they review it for a kicking motion. But, you know, you and I were debating this a little bit and they're, you know, around the room, we were kind of kicking it and <laughs> kicking it around and trying to just sort through what we were seeing. But he basically like, like just spray stops it with his skates into the net, which you're allowed to do. You just can't kick because the reason they outlaw kicking a puck is because you don't want a blade going flying up in the air. But you don't have to leave the, I mean... It it doesn't have to leave the ice to be a kick. Um, you can totally kick it without your blade ever like, leaving the ice to the side. Sure. I mean, it's 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 just all. I don't the, think I've ever seen that. All though. the rules say is a distinct kicking motion, and that's pretty much up to. But anyone's isn't that opinion. more of a, a a forward? Just whatever anyone. If it it is simply, did you move your skate in a direction intending to put the puck in the net? And that's where this one became very interesting. And these are the gray areas for this rule. So he didn't, but he didn't move it. He just, he was stopping. That's the gray area. Okay. Is that when you do a hockey stop, that motion looks like a kick in part. If you're stopping in a direction where the skate is going that way, right, to stop. And okay. that way is also at the net. That's the gray area. I always thought the kicking motion was like your knee going forward and your skate going forward, like you're trying to kick something, not like you're like turning sideways. Well, you, yeah, that's the thing is sometimes you can get you're allowed to sort of turn it to deflect, but it, it's right. it's there's deflecting no, was is never been an issue, never been an issue. But that that's the problem is there. It's kind of like goaltender interference in some ways is there are no black and white. There's no. This isn't are the feet in bounds or out of bounds. It's completely <laughs> interpretive. Yeah. And in this case, it was close enough to looking like a hockey stop to say it's not a not a kick under the way they interpreted it. But I felt it was very very close. Um, what was the case going on here is again just woeful penalty killing for Michigan State. I mean, right before this goal, Shivsky spins around in the circle and finds a guy back. I mean, this is twice in about 15 seconds. There's cross seam passes to players wide open on the on the penalty kill for you know. I'm it's funny it's, when it's not happening to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, four nothing going into the third, um, and then <laughs> so just into the third, you get big urn as they they tweet. Um, Josh Ernesty just picks up the puck. I think in in the neutral zone, maybe in his own zone, it just starts flying down the left wing and, and we're all just kind of like, whoa, he's going really fast and he just keeps going and gets around the defenseman. Doesn't really get like a shot because Augustine kind of goes with him as he crosses the crease and the puck kind of comes back to the other side to Philip Lapointe who somehow like shoots the puck back into Augustine even though he's wide of the net. Like the net is open and, and Lapointe like misses the net by feet hitting Augustine before TJ Hughes like kind of collects the rebound as it comes off Augustine and lays in the crease and TJ Hughes comes and taps it in. Um, that was, there was a lot going on in that play. It felt like to me. Yeah. This was a real bad look for Maxime Sturback. 
uh, the Michigan State defenseman. I mean, he just gets completely toasted here. Um, it gives the space out wide, isn't skating back quick enough, just misjudges the whole gap, and is, is completely beaten. I mean, he's not even able to apply any back pressure right. when Ernesty swoops around him. Uh, and that's mostly that's the play right there. I mean, that creates it all. Uh, the other defenseman is right there and not really able to help out at all, and instead three different Michigan players basically get a crack at the net, and then the third one finishes it off. But... Um, Need better rush defense than that. And at that point, it just felt like State was done with the game. I mean, right after that, uh, McGordy comes in on a two-on-one, and, and Augustine makes a save but gets a really good chance and, and a nice shot. And then Michigan gets their fifth power play, and Moldenauer just beats Augustine from inside the house. I mean, it was it was a dangerous shot, but I think actually one of the Spartan defensemen screened him. <laughs> it wasn't even a Michigan player. And so it's six nothing at that point, and it's just like the wheels are just coming off in all directions, um, you know. And you get, and then the, you know, I kind of want to bring this up because they they did another good job, but like then Duke kind of takes a, I think, like a dumb cross checking penalty as the guys entering the zone. So Michigan State gets a power play, and Michigan doesn't really give up anything. And you know they could have packed it in at that point and been like, hey, it's six zero. It doesn't really matter, but it's kind of a big deal. Like every penalty kill now, at least until you know they can iron some things out, is like a big deal. Is like you know we were kind of talking about. Well, this is a good idea because this is the best time to work on your penalty kill when you're up six nothing in a game. Like take penalties and actually like figure this stuff out in real life. And and they did, and they killed it. Um, and then Michigan has a. a power play because this is when all of the the penalties are happening right like and there's this big mess behind the net and people are getting thrown out and there's fights I think they they tossed like six guys three on each side with uh, what one or two Michigan State players leaving later um we were calling it the trap door because they just kept falling in and sweeping them away I mean, the benches were just thinning. <laughs> there's plenty of room in the benches. Yeah, it's this is where it gets really lame in college hockey because typically in the NHL, if there's going to be 150 penalty minutes, you get your money's worth. And there's, <laughs> there's a lot of fun stuff that happens in those situations. And in college hockey, it's like, oh, we got 150 penalty minutes because two guys like t- did tug of war with each other's jerseys. <laughs> like, come on. Well, that that happened afterwards. It did. I mean, I mean it, Mueller finally gets Michigan State on the board because... I, um, if we're going to have 150 penalty minutes that renders a period completely moot, I want it, you know, some. You want blood? Yeah, blood, some <laughs> body bra- parts, some brain damage. There <laughs> <Yeah>. we go. <laughs> we need violence. And Nicholas Muller scores after uh, Barcheski kind of leaks one, makes a save, kind of pops out the back, and he comes in and scores. And then there's some pushing and shoving, and it ends. It results in Levshinov and Holtz. Well, Holtz mostly ragdolling him and spinning him in a circle, but I called it a college hockey fight because that's what it was, right? Like, you're never going to actually see a college hockey fight, or very, very, very rarely. But this was a case where you just had two guys that wanted to fight, knew they couldn't, so they just swung each other in a circle (laughs) until the bigger guy jumped on the smaller one. Yep. And that's a place that Holtz is actually a supreme benefit on the ice, is if he can, like, take a guy smaller than him and swing him in a circle. Um... And then, you know, Michigan gets their seventh goal uh, on another power play. Casey makes a nice move. Toad drags away from a defender, gets in the slot, and beats him. Um, and it's 7-1. to one. That's pretty much the final. 
The other, the only other thing of note, and the only reason to say it is because it's going to be relevant in the next section too, is, you know, Truscott just looked off. Um, you know, I don't think he's had the best year defensively in the first half of the season. Uh, we've seen him be pretty good at times. And then of course he get, he starts to come on offensively mid to two thirds of the way through the year last year and then gets injured and doesn't play again with a, an arm thing. But, um, we kind of expected a little more from him defensively. Haven't gotten it. And then in this game, just had some of the craziest defensive zone turnovers where he's just throwing the puck in places you just don't want to put it, including, you know, the slot and the house area. Uh, he's had a couple other ones along the boards where you're just trying to hit a guy who's not there. And, um, you know, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, we, we circled basically three things that Michigan needed more of that they could control in the second half. One of them is to clean up the penalty kill. One of them is to just be able to like handle success and finish a game that you play really well. And the third one is just to manage the puck better in your own zone by specifically your defenseman. I mean, everybody, but specifically your defenseman of just not when you're in possession, not giving the other team like a great a scoring opportunity. And, you know, this time Barczewski bailed him out once another time. I think it went wide, but um, I mean, those just things can't happen. He's a, he was fourth, fifth year player, you know, drafted guy and, and a good player, a guy we've liked for years. It was a roller coaster for him and not in a very good way on Friday. So, um, it doesn't, it doesn't cost them in that game, but, um, stick around for the second segment and we'll talk about where it does. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924 9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. or you know, turn on your TV or your streaming service, unfortunately, to try to watch this game. And it feels like that there should be a, a higher level of confidence after watching what they just did. Like, it doesn't necessarily guarantee anything, but Michigan has played pretty well at Yoast, sans the collapses and the you know injuries and that kind of thing. But, you know, the, generally they've played well, and, and 
you're not going to have a raucous crowd or any of those things. And then you just saw what they did to them on the ice, and you're like, I mean, sure, sports go both ways, but like, if these teams play remotely to the level that they played on Friday, it's probably only ending one way. And, you know, for half of Saturday, it did. And then literally all the bugaboos kind of started coming back again to haunt Michigan. Uh, Michigan State ends up winning 7-4 to four, uh, in a game that if you just watched the first 30 minutes or so, you would have not believed even happened. Sorry, 7-5. to five. I guess they got one at the end, right? It was 7-5, to five, yes. an extra attacker goal. But anyway, um, the biggest news to start was that Brinley did not play. Uh, you know, we noticed that he left the ice a little gingerly uh, after one shift on Friday night, but ended up coming back, finishing the game, and didn't really see, didn't really think that, you know, it would be an issue if he's going to finish that game. But he starts in the press box, and Chase Pletsky comes in, um, you know, again, after you never want to lose a player like Gavin Brindley, but you know, Michigan didn't win on Friday because of Gavin Brindley. They won because they were, they played a much better hockey game. Um, and Michigan starts with a bang on Saturday night. Again, they get two chances right away. One of them from Shifsky who takes his spot on the top line. He's like in tight a plus chance and Augustine makes back to back saves. Um, Michigan state then gets a penalty after a Tyler Duke, um, Michigan State gets power play after a Tyler Duke penalty, I should say. Um, they missed the net an open chance one time, and then Michigan just shuts and locks it down again. And at this point, you know, their penalty kill is off and running for what was going to be the second night in a row. And then TJ Hughes gets in tight on Augustine, and <laughs> I don't, I still am not sure how this puck stayed out. Augustine is caught over by one post, if not outside of the post. Hughes has the puck outside of the crease, just outside the crease, and somehow he gets over and makes this ridiculous save. Do you remember seeing this or have any insight into it? It seemed almost otherworldly the first time I saw it. I assume you're talking about the uh, Casey to Rucker play here? Is it Rucker? I thought it was Hughes. Hughes I comes the down number. the wing, and it's deflected back to Casey and then Casey goes across to Rutger and Augustine goes post to post and makes the save. Um, I mean, he had about three of those in this game and in the end, that's probably the biggest takeaway is that he's just a really good goalie. I mean, the defense, the defense doesn't really, I assume this is the one you're talking. It's about. really early in the game. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that was Casey to Rutger. Casey, um, oh, I just saw Hughes and he was down by the post, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, it's partially, uh, Rucker just needs to get the puck up because as you see, as he comes across, it's, you know, it's low enough on the ice that he makes the skate save. If he puts it top the corner, air. there's no chance, there's no, yeah. but yeah, I mean, look, Augustine's got really good athleticism and, um, in a lot of cases you need a little bit of both to make a great save. So Michigan gets a power play and actually has a phenomenal power play. They get like four shots couple of dangerous ones, but Augustine's there again. Um, they Lots of zone time. And, um, you know, it's just sort of a precursor to what we were going to see is that Michigan was going to be able to break Michigan State down. They were going to get good chances. And they did beat Augustine, but he also made a number of just saves that you're like, well, in some ways, this is why you pay goalies, because <laughs> they do this kind of stuff. Well, the good ones do, anyway. Um, but Michigan opens the scoring 
Hughes gets in front after uh, Rucker forces a defensive zone turnover, and Michigan has a 1-0 lead. Um, you know, we kind of dogged TJ a little bit in the first half for building up a lot of his points against Lindenwood and on the power play, but this was a nice even strength goal. Uh, it was. The play here is really made in in the corner, but uh, TJ That Hughes, was Rutger, right? Yeah, yeah, TJ Hughes is out in front. I mean, this was... This game was a disaster class of defense. I mean, there was just, on both sides, some <laughs> of the worst plays you'll ever see. And this was one of them. I mean, it's a one-on-two forecheck in the corner, and MSU gets the pocket pick. There's no one in front of the net at all. I mean, what is going on? And TJ Hughes is right there to just poke it in. But uh, Rucker makes the play. Um, and then we kind of start with the Truscott stuff. He... I wrote down that he made a literal center, a literal centering pass. Um, he's behind his own goal, must be looking for a breakout or something, but makes a pass through his own slot and hits a Spartan in the tape, in the Michigan slot. And I looked at that and I was like, well, that I could have sworn that he had a yellow sweater on, but um, I, <laughs> I don't know even know how that happened. But I, thankfully, the puck didn't go in. Barczewski, I think it went wide. I don't even know. I'm not sure if he made the save or not, but um, you know, that's just kind of building on the point that we made last segment about like, I I don't know if he's just not seeing guys or if he's panicking or something, but like that wasn't going to be the first time it happened. And um, you know, that was just, <laughs> it was just a centric pass. I don't really know how to phrase it. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, it, so with about, Nine plus to go. Shots are thirteen to four. Michigan. They're up one zero. You know they could be up probably three at this point in another world where you know Augustine doesn't make the save or Rutgers able to lift the puck, things like that. Um, but they're just playing really, really well, dominating. Um, you get you know Moldenauer kind of gets a breakaway, but he misses high and wide, and then Holtz gets beaten behind his own net and kind of cross checks guy in the back. Um, you know, there's some debates Some people said that, you know, he thought the guy was going down. It was a bit of a weak call maybe, but you know, it's still a cross check in the back. You can't do it. And if you're not beaten on skates, then you're not going to be making that play. Michigan state gets a power play and, and within about 15, 20 seconds, Levshinov just lets one go up top. It's tipped at least once. I thought it got double deflected. It kind of bounces through Barcheski. I didn't particularly have a problem with that goal because it changes direction there's a lot of bodies in front and sometimes you just get those seeing eye pucks yeah i mean deflection goals i don't know they're really hard to assess great goalies make saves on those kinds of you know those ones a lot of guys don't it's just it is what it is it's what it is you're right and then uh so it's one one power play goal it's hard to fault the penalty kill again it's just like one of those things you're talking about and then michigan gets Probably the craziest deflected goal I've ever seen. And and for some reason, most people who are watching it, including some of the players, are celebrating like it's going to count. But, like, Duke clearly throws his stick way up in the air. his stick is, like... I mean, it's over his head. (laughs) (laughs) And it it hits the puck, comes down at a crazy angle, and goes in. And everyone's just going nuts. And I just am like, there's no way this goal stands. Yeah, I was waving that off. Yeah, I mean, like, this is... This is, and they wave it off, and of course you get, you know, the Yale's crowd's going to boo and everything, but it's just, like, there's, this isn't, this isn't any level of close. This was never going to count, and so we end the first period one-to-one, a period that Michigan dominates. I think shots were something like 19-7 to or something like that, where they have a distinct advantage, 
and you know just couldn't get a lead or a bigger lead because Augustine kept his team in it at at this point. It was um, one of those where you just say, okay, we shouldn't be tied, but we are, and we are just crushing them right now. We've crushed them for four straight periods. Just yep. keep the process going, and we'll win this game going away. And, you know, the next 10 minutes, that's exactly what they did. To start the second period, you get a two-on-one rush from Moldenauer and TJ Hughes, and this is an awesome play by Nick Moldenauer, I think, because he comes down the wing, and he doesn't try to force a pass. He doesn't pass too early, but he gets around and then passes at the sort of the last possible second, gets it over, and TJ has a tap-in, but there's ways to screw that up, and I thought the patience by Moldenauer showed a little bit of his maturity of just being able to wait for the right spot to make the play. Yeah, this is one of those where if you pull it off, it's like, man, that's an incredible play. Yeah. And if you don't, it's like, just shoot it. <laughs> right? Cause like, Did you want him to shoot yeah, it when you're watching was, it? I, okay. He starts to do that, and I'm like, oh, no. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's you're not... Nikita Kucherov, but for this moment he was, so it worked. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's just a really hard move to pull off. I mean, the MSU guy didn't play it poorly. I mean, he went yeah. he went down. He had the stick on the ice. It was a very small window. Moldenauer had to drag it to, and then you're doing a backhand pass across to. I mean, that that play is incredibly hard to pull off, and they pulled it off. So great. <laughs> and then that's that's TJ's second goal of the night, even strength again. Um, but credit him for a guy who probably skating is not his best asset. Um, gets up the ice on a rush well, and this finishes. This goal is just, again, I don't know. The, MSU has such an interesting strategy. I mean, they come at you just so aggressively. You mean on the forecheck? Yeah, and like they, it's really undisciplined. And so if you're a team that has some structure, but more importantly, a lot of talent, you can really slice it open pretty easily. I mean, on this play, you got th- it's a 1-1 game. It's a neutral zone four check. It's nothing crazy going on here. They're sending the puck up, just trying to dump it in. And you got three forwards on the offensive zone blue line ready to race in and recover the puck against two Michigan guys. And then the se- second defenseman is at, like, center ice ready. <laughs> I mean, it's like we're going to try to create a four-on-two. And if we don't, then it's a three-on-one the other way. I mean, it's... Is this a little bit like what Ohio State did last year for the Ohio first... Ohio State, I feel like, was more structured. This was just really chaotic. But, okay. you know, when you've got an NHL-caliber goalie in net and you've got a good amount of finishing talent, you can win a lot of games that way. And Go they, get and it. And they have. Yeah. They score a lot of goals because of how they play, and they get enough saves. Well, and you mentioned this. they've got a better goalie than the other team most nights. You mentioned this Friday night where it just seemed like Michigan State isn't generally used to playing against teams with this amount of skill. Well, their results against BC were not great. Yeah. And the only Big Ten team besides Michigan they looked mortal against was Minnesota. So... There you go. Those are the teams that yeah. Wisconsin has draft picks too, but Wisconsin has like a lot of like third and fourth rounders, yeah. which is a good way to build a college hockey team. Yeah. But it's not the same as what Michigan it's and just, Minnesota have in terms of speed. Just high end yeah. elite talent to cut you in half. Yeah. So it's it's two to one, um, and then Michigan adds a three to one, adds another goal to make it three to one. Uh, Shifsky sort of misses an open net. There's a defensive zone turnover. Nazer, and this is the other awesome backhand pass uh, off the wall to Rutger, who then turns and shoots over the pad below the blocker, and it's 3-1. to one. Just a great pass by Nazer. You know, it's a good shift, and, and you like you maybe want Shifsky to score there, but um, you're just 
you're just kind of dominating the puck, keeping it in the zone, getting chance after chance, and then eventually your talent is going to make something happen. Well, this is a good example of how Michigan State has these problems against the Boston College-type teams because they're just chasing this whole play, and they're not structured in the defensive zone. So it's kind of like it sort of looks like a sixth grader like playing against a toddler in basketball. Like they're just chasing him around, <laughs> but he's just got to step on him at all yeah. time, right? And like the team of toddlers is like we're doubling, we're pressuring, and then you just pass <laughs> through the trap, and then it breaks open really quickly. I mean, they get that shot from Shivsky, and then they're right back on it, and then you watch Nazer. He comes off the wall. He splits two defenders. He spins around. They're still chasing him. They've got <laughs> two on him, and they're still tracking him, and he flips it through him, and then you know, then you get Rucker right in the slot. And it's just when there's not a lot of structure to it, and you're not as fast and skilled as the other team, it just creates a ton of problems because if they can pass through how ragged you're playing, then it there's just holes opening up all the time. Yeah. And there was right here. And, and this is a shot mostly through traffic. I mean, Augustini's got three guys blocking his vision, and uh, Rutger puts it right through. You know, and that's – so he he's going to score the fourth goal, and so I'll talk about this point after we discuss his fourth goal. But, um, all right, so Michigan gets their power a power play. And they move the puck, I thought, really well, create a couple chances, um, and then Moldenauer gets hit up high, and so now, again, you have a five-on-three, and you get um, you get a chance for Rutger, and then he recovers the puck, he's inside of uh, the far dot, is going to take a shot, a Michigan State defender comes sliding at him, he slows down, lets him go right by, continues on, and just buries a shot and makes it four to one, and, you know... I. We, well, you can talk about this, and then we'll, then I'll talk about my point with Rutger. Well, the biggest issue here is it's a pass across. It goes wall to wall, and I think that's T.J. Hughes that makes the pass um, from the from the wall. He, he's generally on that power play unit. But yeah. at the time he makes the pass, he's got a defender right in front of him. Shivsky, who's next to him, has a defender right in front of him. And then both MSU defenders are all the way over in the faceoff dot. I mean, look at this right here. <laughs> look at where those MSU guys are. All four guys on one side on of the one side, ice. I mean, it's and, and they're not bunched up close together, taking away that passing lane. Yeah. And so he just whips this pass right through them, and now they're like, "Uh oh!" <laughs> and they come sprinting over to that side of the ice, and the one guy goes down and it blocked the shot, and just slides like he's on a slip and slide right out of the play. And Rutger makes one little move. He's in tight on Augustine, and, and he finishes it off. But What's the line from Top Gun? I'll hit the brakes, and he'll fly right by. <laughs> That's what kept running through my mind on that one. It's just, uh, I mean, Augustine was given no help at all in in this game, really. But So the other thing that I, I wanted, the point I wanted to talk about with Rutger is, you know, he, it looks like maybe the World Juniors did this a little bit for him. And, you know, and obviously he's, you know, had that injury late in the first half of the season. But he's, so far, he's started to score goals more. He got a couple against Stonehill, which, okay, it's Stonehill, you know, whatever. But, you know, he's a guy that now, I mean, Brindley was a guy that was, like, sniping stuff. And, and he had, he was doing that last year, and it continued on to this year. And now Rucker is looking like he's a guy that might be able to match Brindley point for point and even put the net, the puck in the net himself a lot. And that's kind of something that we were hoping to see from him is a little bit of jump in play and production. Yeah. He had a really nice weekend. So it's four to one. And at this point, like, okay, so then the next point I have that I've written down is at halfway through this game. So you've had the entire first game that Michigan just 
really dominates. And then halfway through the second game, shots are 30 to 9, and it's 4 to 1. State can't do anything. They they can't even really get the puck. They haven't really gotten a, a grade A scoring chance other than those first couple of minutes in the first game. They get their goals on, you know, kind of a dropped puck by Barcheski and a guy going to the net in the first game. And then it, the one here is a tipped shot that hits two people, goes through. You know, it, it's just like... Through 90 minutes, it did not seem like Michigan State belonged on the same ice. No, it, they I looked mean, like a minor league team. Michigan was, made them look like Stonehill. Yeah, it was. That was some of the worst hockey that you'd ever seen. And for now, 90 minutes. We in this was the first time we'd seen Michigan State, other than you know watching them play somebody else. And a lot of the times, what you and I do is we when we cover this the last few years, is we talk about the teams that we've seen and how they've played Michigan, and then how they stack up to each other in those situations. And so far you're, you know, we said, you well, Michigan's played everyone pretty evenly. They've just blown a bunch of games. And in this particular situation through three quarters of the series, Michigan eviscerated them. Yep. And, you know, in the end, you know, we just looked it up was this on track to be by far Michigan's best weekend of the season. Maybe one of their best weekends in a long time. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, from not just from a, a did we win, did we lose yeah. standpoint, but in a how did you play hockey? Yep. And in a after you've had an inconsistent, injury-filled, giveaway, bad defensive, blah, 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 half of the season, you start looking at this and you're like, this team might be a top five team in the nation, if not a top three team in the nation, if they like actually play like this. Which we've seen them play, which we've seen them put on tape, on paper, put up the statistics and all that. And then for something happened, maybe you like ran over a chicken or something. Were you going out to get food and you just like hit something and then like the everyone's aura changed? Because after that, it almost seemed like brains came shooting out of heads and things happened that hadn't happened in, you know, since the fall. And I, I don't really know. I mean, you're, you're, you know, Truscott has a giveaway that leads to a breakaway. And Isaac Howard, you know, their one probably pure goal scorer comes flying in and beats Barcheski short side high. I think Barcheski probably would like that location back. That's not where you want to get beat on a snipe shot. But, um, you know, it's still a really good goal scorer coming in and he beats you. That happens. You just you don't give a breakaway when you're up four one to Michigan State's best player. Well, there's a few things going on here. First of all, Trescott just gets he gets handcuffed by this puck and turns it over, and it's coming across from Ethan Edwards at the top of the zone, and Edwards passes a little erroneous. It's on his backhand to Trescott and and is going to force him to retreat out of the zone, but he just biffs it and he kicks it right off his skate and totally loses control, and this is how Michigan State plays. They come at you, and when you cough that up, you're in some trouble. But then you have the flip side, which is that there are big leverage moments in games where you need saves, and Michigan played pretty darn good defense for 90 minutes. Meanwhile, the other team played atrocious defense for 90 minutes. Yep. And the other team's goalie made seven, eight, nine saves. Because it could have been seven and one at this point. Yeah, in this game and the previous one. Right. I mean, the first game team's was goalie made lots of saves. Yep. And this is the the one you need to save. This is one you need to save because it's thirty seconds after the previous after you've gone up four to one. Yep. It, it's this huge just momentum swing. 
And it's not like this one was, you know, one of 15 that Barczewski had saved right. up to this point. He'd made nine saves on the night. Yep. And it was the first time they'd asked him to do anything, really, all game. And he didn't make the save. And that cr- creaks the door open a little bit for a team that's opportunistic and aggressive offensively. And then a minute later, you hand them a goal on one of the worst individual defensive so, plays. <laughs> the Tyler Duke one is I've the ever thing seen. that you're... And, so that's, this... and, that's, and in just like that, it's two things. You don't get a save and you get a meltdown. And and now it's a game. And I don't even know if this is... I mean, it's technically is a defensive zone turnover. I don't know if it's a defensive play. It looked like he had the puck, not under a ton of pressure, uh, in the slot. And he, he throws it to the corner? <laughs> I mean... I think I described it in my breakdown as like, it's like when you're playing a video game and you hit the pass button instead of the shoot button and, or like in baseball, when you throw, when you're playing like triple play baseball and you, and you throw and you like make a pickoff move and you throw to second, but there's no one there. It's MSU, Michigan owns the next minute in between the second MSU goal and the third goal. They have a good shift. They have lots of offensive zone time. MSU gets it out and they go for a change in a period of long change. They're just, they dump it in. It's two defensemen back versus one four checker and it turns into a tap and goal. Well, and it's not it, even it, just and, that he throws it into the corner. I mean, that's, that's, well, he skates to the middle. He falls over his own feet, basically. I mean, it, it gets caught between his feet and he's like, whoa, and then has to try and like bat it to the corner while he's got, which he does, but then he falls asleep. And the yeah, guy and, puts and, it in and the corner. Muller goes right by him. Yeah, and he then skates upwards while an MSU guy goes by him. <laughs> and then it goes from the corner to a tap in. I mean You know, and, and Duke's had a Tyler Duke has had a good year. He's yep. produced, he's played well defensively, he's been physical, like the things that you were hoping to get from him. And so like, you know, there's a couple more that, that kind of go like this. And, you know, I was sitting around talking to, to Craig after the game as we were just trying to figure out what happened. And I was like, I don't even know how you practice not doing this. Like, this isn't something that you're like, well, he's just not good at, uh, what, losing the puck in his skates and then throwing it to the corner and then skating the wrong direction instead of tracking the man. Like, how do you practice that? Like, this is something that is so bizarre that... I just I just struggle to really quantify it as to what makes this go wrong. It's just a lapse. I mean, he just panics, turns it over, and then just loses his concentration yeah. for a second. But I, I said at the time, that's one where, for me, he should not get a shift the rest of the second period. And just, like, clear sit, his head? Sit to the bench. There has to be accountability. Yeah. And, you know, you just can't have that happen. <laughs> that, that can't happen. And see if he can come back in the third. But... And soon after but that, the problem with this is that you have two two things go wrong in the span of of a minute, and now the game's totally different. Yeah, the entire because the entire momentum changed. The momentum didn't change after the the number two goal. It changed after the number three goal. Yeah, and because then MSU owns the next number of minutes, and Michigan is just on their heels because they left the door open, and now a team that might have been mentally moving on to the next week realizes we got a shot here. And that's what hockey is. It's a lot of just shifts in momentum. And teams own five-minute stretches, and the other team comes back. And 
I mean, MSU eventually ties it, but they almost tie it like right after yeah. they put a, one off the post. I mean, it was as soon as I saw that one go off the post, I was like, this is meltdown mode. Like Michigan well, is cooked. And <laughs> we've just seen it too much. Well, right. That's part of the thing so is it's, that in part of opening the door and letting MSU back in, you also let your mind wander into as like, a team. Like, uh-oh. We've been here before. Yep. I know what happens next. And, you know, Gavin O'Connell comes in and scores in front on a nice play. You know, I was talking to Peter about it. He's like, I didn't even see a breakdown and see anything that went around. They just, they made a play there. And, it, you know, Michigan didn't, I guess. And it's four to four. And then, you know, just another goofy play from Truscott sort of in the high defensive zone. He's in the high slot between the circles. And, you know, the puck just gets caught in his skates. He's not moving. And I was talking to Peter about it. And he's like, you know, that's just fishing. You know, you're just looking for it. You can't find it. You can't find it. And there it is. And all of a sudden the guy takes it and he's gone. It's a three on one, another pass and a, and a goal. And like, you know, this shot goes up high and it's like, you know, we can talk about Barczewski now if you want, but um, I don't know, man, I, I've just gotten to the point with him where we know what he is. And if you're going to expect him to do stuff outside of that, to some extent, that's on you. Like, they went and they got a guy in the portal who's a solid college hockey goaltender. And when you play good defense around him, he makes plays. You look at him on Friday night. Michigan played good with good defensive structure. They didn't ask him to be Superman. They said, we're going to allow a bunch of shots. None of them are going to be from within five feet of you. Can you make all those saves? And he's like, yep, got it. And he did. The one squeaked through at 6-0 or whatever, you know, that, okay, fine. Everyone has a, a, a mistake in, in a game or in whatever you do in life. But so this in this case, they do the same thing. He makes the saves he needs to make for half the game. And then they're like, okay, now we're just going to absolutely obliterate ourselves. And will you just bail us out of these insane situations? And he didn't. But he didn't in the first half of the year, and he didn't on Saturday night, and that's not the goalie that he has shown to be here. And I'm not faulting him or putting stuff on him or saying, you've got to be better, we need this. It's just asking a guy to be someone that he probably isn't. And so if you want to continue to dominate and win hockey games, you can't give the other team these horrendous chances. And if you do, guess what? They're going in the net. If he comes out against Wisconsin or against Ohio State, Penn State, Minnesota, go down the line and makes these bonkers, Eric Portillo-like saves that is diving from nowhere and kicking a leg up, then great. Good for him. But I don't see that happening. And what I do see is Michigan has to not have meltdown situations where they just give the puck away. And I'm not going to say that, like, you can't, you know, a goalie isn't held accountable. It's just you're asking a guy to be someone he isn't. And if you're going to do that, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, I mean, I think my thing with Barczewski is that, I don't know, you have to, there is a limit on what he is and they have to or need to adapt better to play a certain way to be able to facilitate what he is and turn that into a winning formula. Um, but you also need a couple saves to be made at some point in time. And I think if our philosophy is he cannot be trusted to make any A-plus saves uh, during a game, I don't think you're going anywhere. Well, that might be the case. I mean, it's just, you need, your goalie has to make a couple at some point. 
Like they just and and he has at points. He's made some good saves. Well, over he the made year. the he made the save on Friday where you know Petros Scott <laughs> turns it over uh, behind his net and the guy walks in and he deflects it outside of the the frame of the net and so he does make that save and and he and he made an, a a nice save on Saturday too. Um, he's had some games in the first half where he made, you know, yeah, that's just really solid saves. I mean, if the if your philosophy is we can't give up a breakaway because it's going to go in, you're not winning anything. Well, you know, when you pull a fourth year goalie out of the portal because you don't have another option, and he's a guy who is not the most athletic and the not and not the biggest, unlike Eric Portilla who was here and he had his own issues. Don't get me wrong, but he also made a bunch of saves in transition in odd man rushes and bailed you out of some bonker situations. He was also a drafted goalie in the third round, like Augustine is, like what he did. No one drafted Barczewski, and he's, you know, 25 years old. This is what you have. And if you're going to be like, dude, we need you to be Eric Portillo, he's going to be like, okay, well, put me in the Steve Urkel machine and turn me into him because that's not who I am, man. You play well in front of me, and we'll go a long ways. And I and I don't think this is like he can't make a save, but you asked him to make what five, six, eight in the matter of ten minutes. That's probably not happening. Yeah, I mean, I just I'm not going to go into any Michigan game for the rest of the year and be like, all right, guy, go be Superman, go be an NHL goalie, and bail us out. Like I'm not. Other people can. That's fine. You can do that. I just think you're going to be disappointed. Is stopping Jeremy Davidson one-on-one when he squared the shooter in an NHL save? I mean, I don't know. That's... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, well, that's why I said the Isaac Howard shot, right? Like, he picks the top corner, and he, I think Barczewski probably would not want it to be short side. But if he goes far side and picks the corner, eh, that's that's how it is, right? I don't know. I, I, I think – so the, the Jeremy Davidson isn't a one-on-one. It's a three-on-one. And they pass it around, and then he's got to get across and make a save, and he didn't. And... But he's across. By the time that the shot is taken, he is across, and he's squared to the shooter, and he's got a chance to make that save. And he- Well, all right. I'm not saying that he doesn't bear blame for these pucks going in the net. I'm saying that I don't think he's making a lot of these saves. And so once you get to that situation, it's like saying, you know, you've handed the ball to the fullback or the running back, and he's gotten through the five, and then it's like telling... 190 pound defensive back. Well, you got to tackle Krishna Koye. And it's like, uh, I don't think he's gonna. He might. He might hit him in the knee and he falls over. But chances are Koye is gonna run over him like a bulldozer and be in the end zone. And that's just where we're at. We, we've got how many games that he's played now? Like 20? And we've seen the situation unfold time and time again? Yeah, I think my point is I thought this was one of his worst games of the season. And. Um, he's normally better than that. Um, I mean, normally better than what? Like making those kinds of saves. He normally makes a few and I don't think he made many in this one. He definitely didn't make many. 23 of 29 is just not going to get it done a lot of nights. And that's true. Especially when the other guy saves a lot more and that's just kind of how it goes. And they didn't do enough, uh, defensively. They threw it away. Um, they let him back in it and then it all just kind of. So it's 5-4 Michigan State. We go to the third period. Um, You know, Edwards hits the post and kind of early. And you just kind of like, you know, you you there's times in sports where it's it's clear the momentum is going one way and you need a guy to make a play. And it's sort of like 
what CJ did in Columbus in 22, right? Like Michigan's offense isn't great. They're kind of stuck. They're down a touchdown. The crowd's getting into it. It's getting closer to halftime. And, you know, he makes a guy miss on the sideline, runs away, scores a touchdown, kind of changes the direction of that game. You know, Marvin Harrison, same thing, right? Like he scores a touchdown and then Michigan gets the ball back and they strike back. And those are situations that you could see like the championship medal for this year building last year in situations like that. And the thing with the hockey team a little bit this year has been they just kind of can't handle some of those situations. And when it gets tough, you don't get the battle back. You don't get the guy who's like, all right, I'm going to tie this. You know, Fantilli did that a little bit last year. Yeah, and they've they've got a dog in them problem to some degree. It's not a talent problem. It's not a can we create. I mean, we were really just looking, you know, Peter sent us some of the numbers. And, you know, the XG in this game is like 5.86 to 2.48 or something like that. And, and Michigan and hits their number. And it's a, a little bit of a low ball on MSU. They There were some chances that definitely were higher probability than than that indicates. But, yeah, Michigan was... They did their job on, from an offensive standpoint. Yep. They scored five goals. They scored four goals in half the game, and they, they get one late, you know, to after the empty netter. Um, you know, the other one, you know, Duke here again. So it's 5-4, and Duke is going to chase a, a loose puck in the zone and just, just wipes out, man. Like, <laughs> just, just biffs it. And it's a turnover, and then the puck gets put back into the slot and, and Casey's there, but a little bit overskates it, kind of misses it. Um, you know, I, I, I think I, I'm a little soft on Casey sometimes because he just creates everything in the offensive end. And, you know, you and I have de- debated NHL stuff for a long time. And, you know, you've said to me, like, you know, I, I'm never going to sit here and wax poetically about Ovechkin or Gretzky's defense. They don't have a lot of it, but when you do what they do offensively, you live with it. And to some extent, that's Seamus Casey. He's he's never going to be the biggest, the best defenseman. He Now, he made some plays this weekend. He made a couple of nice plays, I remember, on Friday night, getting guys off the puck, shielding them to the corner, like things that you're like, you know what, you got to kind of do that sometimes. And he did it on Saturday a little bit. And so he misses this one, and, you know, it, it ends up in the back of the net. It's ends up being 6-4 with a Muller with an A-plus chance. But my thing with Casey is you just watch him and he's probably going to create a goal or two every game the way that he he has. If you look at his numbers, he's, he puts numbers into columns a ton in the scoring sense. And, um, you know, he just, he's not the best defensive defenseman. He missed this puck. It cost Michigan. You know, he's partially liable for that. Duke, obviously, you know, be nice if he stayed in the skates. He didn't for whatever reason. But again, it's one of those things. Like, what do you tell him to do? Go practice skating? Like, he, he does. He's a good skater. Yeah. He just wiped he, out. Casey here is the bigger culprit in a lot of ways. I mean, the Duke thing is tough, but Casey gets dog-walked in front of the net. Yep. And by a guy who isn't really a notable NHL prospect <laughs> in any sense <laughs> of the term. Um, and then it's just kind of story of the night. Guy gets in close, and the puck's in the net. And... You know, and and that's when so it's six four, and that's when Augustine makes another really nice save on Draper, a huge sliding one. And Draper's again not the biggest scorer that you will see at Michigan, but um, Augustine gets across and and denies an, an A plus chance, something that we've mentioned. Barczewski just didn't do enough of for one reason or another. Um, you know, Rutger had a chance in alone too, and and just never got. His body shifted, his stick in the right place, couldn't get the great chance. 
uh, and he just didn't get the shot off there. And, you know, Michigan pulls the goalie, and, and Michigan State hits the empty net, goes up 7-4. They pull the goalie again, and with the extra attacker, Duke does poke one in to make it 7-5. to um, You know, you just, you're up 4-1. to There's 30 minutes to go. You can't give up six. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Like, you just can't do that. Nope. And and State is has offensive prowess. But, you know, they showed nothing for 90 minutes. And then you just kind of jump-started their offense by saying, well, what if we throw a bunch of interceptions in our, inside our own 20? See what happens. Well, turns out you're probably going to give up some touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, basically Michigan, yeah, to follow the analogy, they threw a lot of interceptions and their defense uh, – didn't force any field goals. Yeah. Well, yep. And that's just kind of the story is defense was really bad. And most all the mistakes ended up in the net and you can blame a lot of different folks there for those things, but it's a team wide situation. And the, and the, I think the bummer to me is like, you saw what they could do on Friday. Yep. And they just didn't do it on Saturday. And that's the thing that this team has not done well all year is be consistent in that sense. And, you know, we we're going into a Wisconsin weekend, you know, we'll talk about it in a second here to preview it. Um, but you know, it just feels like Michigan games are just never over that. It doesn't really matter who has a lead either. They or the other team is going to score a bunch of goals and it's probably going to be close. There's going to be penalties and you just, you know, they have to learn how to shut things down when you've won the game. They won the game. It was 4-1. to one. State was dead in the water. You don't have to go out and score four more goals. You just can't give away a bunch of good chances, and they did. And Yeah, and you got to give credit to Trey Augustine. He, oh, he was he, he was the best. He was arguably the best player on the ice on Saturday? Yep. I mean, he gave us up five goals, and you're just like, what a performance. Yeah. Well, if the XG is to be believed, he gave up five goals and still finished with a positive goal same <laughs> above mean, expected. So <laughs> that's... That's something. He, uh, yeah, he's he's a real good player, and that's sort of the thing. As you can say, MS, you didn't play very well, but uh, as the hockey analyst Justin Bourne always says about goalies, or whenever you try to make those kinds of statements, is he does play on the team, right? Like, <laughs> you say the team didn't play very well, well but I'll... the goalie did. Well, the goalie's on the <laughs> team. part of the he team. He plays for them. The Chiefs are good, even if it's a lot of it's Mahomes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's that's this. and it was a huge missed opportunity for Michigan because they were twelfth in pairwise after Friday, yeah. and they could have been I don't know tenth, ninth, something well, like that. Instead, they're fourteenth and they're right back on the bubble. It's funny because I said to you, or maybe I said to Craig, you know, before the series even started, if Michigan sweeps this series and then they sweep the next Michigan State series and then they sweep the series that they have in hand of Michigan State. They're still one point back behind them in the standings, <laughs> but they were like what thirty or thirty three percent of the way there <laughs> if they would have held on to that. So, um, but they didn't, and you know we'll see what happens next weekend. Um, I you know they're going to have to close out a series before I really believe that they'll be able to. I'm not saying they won't be able to, but they were as close as you could possibly be from an analytics perspective, from an on ice perspective, from a scout's eye view perspective, and they didn't. So. We'll see what happens against the Badgers. Uh, other games did happen on the weekend. We can talk you through some not, of those. Not really, because the Big Ten standings didn't move much. Well, but you, you're forgetting about Augie. And the August Augustana goes to Tempe and beats the Ice Devils. That's a big win. Good for them. Good for them. They did lose 3-2, to two, but, and That you was know. tough. At Arizona State is now 17th. 
in Pairwise. They're right on the bubble. Oh, are they? And, yeah. So they're having a year. Yep. Even uh, without Joey Decord and Johnny Walker? But that was just a tough to lose at home to 37 in Pairwise. Speaking of tough to lose at home, did you see what happened to the Providence Friars? Uh, no. Uh, they got shut out at home 4-0 by Alaska Anchorage. Yikes. They also won 2-0. to But, I mean, Providence... Probably one of the best teams Michigan's faced this year. Um, we've seen them beat some other teams. And then Alaska Anchorage? 4-0? Not even just... I mean, that's not even getting goalied. Not going to help your <laughs> pairwise. Anything. Uh, the even strength uh, possession was 68-30. to 30 For Providence. For Providence. <laughs> well. But they did... But that's four goals, man. But they didn't get a lot of... Uh, a lot of shots on net. They had 74 shot attempts, and only 26 shots mm. on goal. In the 4-0 game? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Alaska Anchorage blocked 25 shots. Well, when you put and six people in the net... 23 were missed as well. So it was basically only 33% of their shot attempts actually made it on net. Uh, UMass played one game, and they beat the Fighting Craig Rosses of Northeastern 2-1. to one. Uh, Northeastern is... Not in the tournament picture right now. UMass still is. It's a little cozy situation here. MSU 7, Minnesota 9, Providence 11, UMass 12, St. Cloud 13, Michigan 14. Yeah. We've seen everybody in that range except yep. for Western. Uh, Lindenwood did not play, so they are not relevant to Michigan's pairwise this weekend. St. Cloud lost to North Dakota 5-3, to and then they tied them in overtime. Um, not the worst outcome you could get for the St. Cloud Clouds. It wasn't good because now they're tied wow. on top of the NCHC standings with North Dakota because of that. Well, North Dakota's good, right? Yeah, North Dakota's I mean, really good. That's you know, to be expected. Uh, Stonehill drank eight Long Islands on Friday, and but they did score two, and then they drank ten Long Islands on Saturday. So they're probably a bit woozy at this point. Uh, uh, Eighteen to two for law for. On, ag- Long on aggregate, Long Island is better than Michigan this season, based on their Stonehill results. Uh, didn't Michigan score? Michigan was nineteen to five. Oh right, okay, yeah, I see what you mean here. I thought you so, meant goals scored. Yep, we're yeah. Coming up on a big potential you, milestone to you, be accomplished uh, in the near future with two games against Lindenwood this weekend. Stonehill is now at a minus 98 goal differential. Uh-oh. They're two away from 100. <laughs> well, I don't think there's a whole lot of chance that they're not going to get there. So, <laughs> um, uh, We'll shift to the Big Ten. Ohio State lost to Minnesota 5-2 to and then 6-3. to And um, Ohio State uh, it appears to be bad. Yep. Wisconsin had a bye week, which, uh, great. Thanks for having a bye week before you play us. Minnesota, we just talked about. Penn State lost in South Bend 4-1 to and then 6-3, to but there was a goal in that game that tied the game for Penn State, I believe, on the Saturday game that we have to talk about. Have you had a chance to look at this one? No. So there is the Notre Dame guy is in his own zone, skating around the corner, coming up uh, the far side boards, and he is hauled down. And so it is a clear penalty. So the goalie starts heading for the bench. Meanwhile, another Irishman recovers the puck after said first guy was taken down, tries to pass it back into his own zone or into his own defensive zone to hit his other defenseman. It hits the goalie as he's leaving the ice and careens into the net to make the game, I believe at the time, three to three. So the Notre Dame was up 
three to two, and then it that was the game tying goal in the third period in South Bend. Have you ever seen that? Uh, not that exactly. I mean, that sounds basically like a variant of the famous Steve Smith own goal by Edmonton against Calgary in 1986 playoffs in Game Seven. Well, but but the goalie wasn't like Leaving, skating to the no, bench. No, but it was a D to D pass that went off the goalie skating in. Yes. So a very similar sort of sure. thing. But no, I haven't seen that. But this the was, variant with the goalie leaving. That that is. Uh, I I actually had my Notre Dame friend text me about that, and he's like, "Have you you've watched a lot of hockey? Have you ever seen that?" And I said, "I don't think I've seen that. I've seen teams have puck in possession in in the offensive zone, make a pass, and it go out of the zone for whatever reason and down into their own net. That." seems somewhat plausible if you get your angles wrong oh. but going off of the goalie as he's leaving the ice is is not is Based a new one on me on this box score Notre Dame scored on the ensuing power play yeah well then so they, they, they ended they up made... scoring three goals or whatever well they maybe. got two empty netters uh they Penn State outscored Notre Dame three to one at five on five and lost hmm. Well, Penn State, uh, <laughs> what did we say about Ohio State? Yeah. Penn State is also bad. <laughs> they are uh, not very good. Liam Soulier down to 8.59. And, and he's still starting. Thanks to the weekend. And somehow is still being put out there. That is uh, some kind of safe percentage. Uh, yeah, so we talked about Notre Dame and then Michigan State, obviously, we already discussed. So now that moves us on to the Wisconsin preview. The Badgers come to town. Michigan went to Madison in the first half and um, played really well and then lost because they blow leads. And then in the second game, I believe, were tied pretty much the most of the game. Or no, they were down. They tied the game, had a goal to win that they challenged to go in, Yes, lost the challenge, gave up a goal on the ensuing power play, and lost with like five, eight, five to eight seconds left in the game. Like the most... Uh, first half Michigan encapsulation you could come up with. So they play really well in the series and got, I think, no points. Yeah. Did they go to overtime in the first? I don't think they did. So they got no points. Um, but still a series you look at and you're like, I mean, Michigan can skate with these guys. They're probably going to outcourse them. They're probably going to outshoot them. They're probably going to score goals. Um, will they give the game away is becomes the question. Well, the thing about Wisconsin is they don't give up a lot of goals. They are 940 team save percentage. Yeah. By far number one in goals against per game at 1.6, which is four tenths above Quinnipiac, which, you know. Always has good goaltending. Well, and Quinnipiac is playing plumbers most <laughs> weekends. and Wisconsin- They're playing trade schools. <laughs> And what with, about the electricians? And with, you know, they're, yeah, the trade schools are called Harvard and <laughs> Brown. Bunch of lawyers. <laughs> Dartmouth. Uh, Wisconsin wow. plays real NHL teams, yeah. you know, each week. And so to do that is really impressive. That's true. Um, and they got 91.8% on the penalty kill. I mean, this You're just team, stepping all over my preview here, aren't this you? This team defensively is really good. And Kyle McClellan's had a great season in that. So that raises the stakes for Michigan in some yeah. ways, is that Michigan can't do what they like to do, which is be really bad defensively and give up a bunch <laughs> of goals. What they like to do, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, if you give up, if you gift the opponent three and the opponent's got a 940 and gives up 1.6 per game, even with your shooters, you're going to be in an uphill battle. Well, it it, it seems like they're going to face Trey Augustine, but with a good defense in front of him. Yeah, I mean... 
McClellan's talents not anywhere close. To well, okay, team. but what I'm saying is like from a from a numbers perspective, you're you're facing a really good goalie or, or goalie's yeah, yeah. having a good year. And yeah, then, I, but they also play good defense in front of him, which you know is a very different situation than what Michigan just faced this past weekend. Yeah, I mean the Friday game when they played Wisconsin previously, Michigan got four by McClellan and lost the game. That just can't happen. No. You cannot score four on the best defensive team Wisconsin, in the country and lose the game. Wisconsin is fourth in pairwise. They're thirteenth in Corsi, slightly below Michigan. Um, they're nineteen percent on the power play, uh, which is still pretty good. Not Michigan levels or even Michigan State levels, but they do score at an, an okay clip. And then, like you said, ninety-two percent on the penalty kill. Like that's. I mean, I remember when Ohio State a couple years had like was pushing ninety. Yeah, and we were just like, "What is this?" Like, what is this? About, 92. Yeah, and is that, that has to be some variant of luck, right? To some degree. Yeah. yeah. The thing about the Badgers is they don't score a ton. They're a decent offensive team, but they're not really... Certainly, they don't have the offensive skill of Michigan and Minnesota, and they don't play the way Michigan State does to generate tons of goals. Yeah. And so, you have seen them this season lose some games to teams they shouldn't have, or tie, didn't they tie Lindenwood? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean... Where they don't, like... I mean, they lost one nothing to Alaska Anchorage. They lost two nothing. Man, two is Anchorage like just what is going on? They lost two nothing to Nodak. So my point is, there are games where their offense just doesn't show up because they don't really have any dudes. Well, hopefully that happens twice this weekend because they might need to happen if, uh, if yeah, Michigan's going to win some this games. Dude, Jared Whale for Anchorage nine fifteen. He's the guy that uh, shut out Providence and Wisconsin. Did he also? Oh, they didn't shut out Penn State. They just won at Penn State. They just won at Penn State. But that's the guy that Michigan needs to give all the NIL money to in the (laughs) offseason. We can't even even give football players NIL money, Alex. I think hockey players... uh... I don't don't care. Okay. This is is priority number one. (laughs) Jared Whale. So they need to bag a whale is what you're saying. (laughs) All right. You got it. Um, 13 drafted skaters for Wisconsin. Not a... Like you said, not a ton of... High drafted players, they do have Strammel, who was drafted high, and they have a, a second round pick too, right? Uh, they have uh, right Ben Cleveland. Is that his name? Uh, the uh, the def- big chunky. Oh yeah, yeah. Brady Cleveland. Brady Cleveland. He's yeah. only played in ten games this year. He was a Red Wings pick. He, I'm not sure how good he is, but he's a big hitter. That's his thing. Okay, and then um, you know they don't like, and again, like you said, they only have six skaters. Uh, scoring over 0.75 points per game. They have three guys with 10 goals. Cruz Lucius, Simon Tassi, and Owen Lindmark each have 10 goals. But no one has blistering points. Um, Cruz Lucius has 22 in 22 games, so he's getting about a, a point per game, which is which is very good. And then um, DSP has uh, 0.91, Matthew D. St. Fall. So they have, they have a couple of players, but it's more... Um, some depth scoring, I think. They also have Carson Bantle, who has nine goals. So you have you have a few different guys that'll they'll score a little bit, but like you said, you know, probably not going to be winning a bunch of shootouts. But they don't play that way, and it I would not expect if these games are shootouts, I I don't mind Michigan's chances. Would you say that's fair? Yep. So we will see. At this point, um, Michigan has probably cashed in all of their margin for um, at least making any sort of a Big Ten run. It's probably 
just one weekend closer to not happening. They, you know, I think third place still on the table. You know, Minnesota is um, good, not great. Same thing sort of Notre Dame. Clearly, Ohio State and Penn State are not good. You know, it's going to be those three-way battles for third, fourth, and fifth, it feels like. Uh, I don't think anyone's catching Wisconsin or Michigan State unless one of them goes in the tank. Pretty much. Yep. And then it's just winning enough games to stay above the bubble in pairwise, which two big chances this weekend, both at Yost. Uh, It's all there. Just, uh, hey, don't turn it over. Michigan Hockey Cast 6.12 for Alex Drain and David Nasternak. Next week we will be presumably talking about fewer goals. Mm-hmm.